It's time for JT the Brick. I love my job. I love the opportunity that I can come in here and talk to the Raider Nation. Talk to JT. As we are rolling on on the biggest topic in the NFL, who will be the Raiders quarterback? This is nothing to dive into and look crazy about. Have we lost our bleeping mind? Look, the elephant in the room is the majority of our audience are Raider fans, and they would like the Raiders to win now. They don't want to rebuild. They don't care about two or three years. The last 20-plus years have been hard, and they're sick of it. Excuses die. The record stands. GT the Brick. Are you kidding me? It's an absolute free-for-all with the Raiders on national radio debate shows. Everybody now is throwing blank up against the wall. No, no, no. Who are you listening to? Who's putting this in your head? But what happens next is what should this team do that's responsible, not reckless, makes sense, and could kind of thread the needle and get this team back to greatness. Are you with me on that? Put some respect on JT the Brick's name. And now, sound off like you got a pair. Here's JT the Brick. Welcome back. It's Friday here. JT with you. Final hour of the week here on the flagship of the Raiders. Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM and the Raiders mobile app. Hope everybody's had a good week. Weather has just been, I don't talk weather much, but I have lately. God, I don't know what's happening here with the rain and the snow and everything we've dealt with this week so far, but it's been a wild ride here. And uh, I think it's going to still be a weird weekend of weather here with cold and some rain and some wind and Snow in the elevated areas. I know my buddies who have uh, cabins up at Duck Creek or in Brian Head who like to go skiing. I got a bunch of guys going up there this weekend because of all the snow that is dumped up there, which is going to be a lot of fun. So this Fred Belitnikoff birthday celebration has kind of taken over the show the last two days, which I'm really excited about. Uh, quickly, Marcus Allen was supposed to join us yesterday. He called me right after the show. Uh, he had a big signing. He had a big event. He sent his apologies and said, call me whenever you want. So we're going to save Marcus uh, for a little bit later. I only talk to Marcus about once or twice a year on radio. So he wished Freddie a happy birthday, and he talked to Freddie yesterday. And uh, we're going to save Marcus for some football, uh, the running back scenario. Josh Jacobs, what happens next year? Or maybe do a big sit-down with him, which he told me he'd love to do. So uh, Marcus says hello to the flagship of Raider Nation Radio. It was really cool that he got back to me yesterday. So this is still a celebration of Fred Bolitnikov. A couple of conversations coming up. Also with Rob Demosky coming up next. He's the elite insider for the Green Bay Packers. And I, I was able to talk to him yesterday with Danny Cannell on Sirius. And I thought that conversation had a lot of Raiders intrigue. So we'll play that coming up next segment. Also, Randy Mueller will join us, former GM of the NFL, as we get to that. But the Aaron Rodgers thing, before we hear from Demosky coming up a little bit, is, to me is getting more bizarre by the day. And I say that with a little bit of caution because he could end up being the quarterback here of the Raiders, and this is not a knock, and this is, well, it might sound like a knock, but Aaron Rodgers is different. And Aaron Rodgers, as I read the stories, there were two big stories. A senior writer, Juan Thai, wrote about what was happening in this darkness retreat yesterday. We weren't able to get to that for the Freddie birthday party. But Aaron Rodgers emerged from that facility in southern Oregon. And Scott Berman, who owns Sky Cave Retreat, said Rodgers left the dark room and the facility on Wednesday. And he's been kind of quiet here. Before entering the retreat, Rogers told Pat McAfee on February 14th that he scheduled four days, four nights in darkness, isolation, to have a better sense of where he's at in his life, which is fine with that. You know, the year before was the yoga cleanse and the ayahuasca and everything he's taken to try to clear his mind and get himself better. 
which is great. He's a super elite athlete. He's won two of the last three MVPs. Rodgers is under contract to make $59.465 million guaranteed if he plays this year. The Raiders would have to take on that $60 million. Now, if the Raiders can get him on a multiple-year deal in a trade, how they're able to spread out that money and do all that, I'm, a, I'm not a capologist, but I'd love the opportunity to talk about that. Rodgers is a four-time MVP. He's played all 18 years for the Green Bay Packers. So I've been sensing this week that a lot of members of the media, mostly ESPN, think that he's going to go back to Green Bay. That Green Bay also on the other side, Green Bay would have no problem if he leaves. And why would they? They've had him for 18 years. They drafted Jordan Love behind him. Jordan Love reportedly looks pretty good. I mean, you can't bench Jordan Love. Imagine benching Jordan Love for four seasons, everybody. Not two or three, but four seasons and not letting this kid play. I mean, that's the ultimate screw job. Steve Young sitting by behind Joe Montana was one thing. This is insanity to me that they've had a good backup quarterback. And in hindsight, they should have moved Jordan Love. It's the same scenario that the Jets are dealing with with Zach Wilson. Say the Jets get Aaron Rodgers or Derek Carr. Robert Sala said they're going to keep Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson's already been in the league two years. If they get Carr or Rodgers, the Jets are going to keep Zach Wilson, bench him, and try to develop him. When is he going to play? What, is he going to play in his fifth year? No, you want to move the guy. You want to give him a shot somewhere else. Excuse me. So I find this fascinating on what's going to happen here. Packers president Mark Murphy said earlier in the month that there was no deadline for Rodgers to make a decision. I think that's part of the problem. I think the Packers are enabling him to do whatever he wants to do. Take his time, not take his time, sit back, let him know. The Jets have talked about having the most to trade for him. The Jets will give up two first-round picks to do it, and the Jets have no problem with that. And they should because they're the Jets. So, But back to this room that Aaron Rodgers uh, spent some time in, 300-square-foot room. Well, I'm here doing my show from my home studio, and it's bigger than that. And a 300-square-foot room, he spent his time underground in this structure to devoid all light with a queen bed, a bathroom, and a meditation mat. Fully powered, and the lights can be turned on from inside the room. And that's about it on this. And Aaron Rodgers, we're waiting for him to speak on this and what happened here. There are conflicting reports also that there was cell phone service, that he could have did something on YouTube or whatever. I don't know much about that at all, but that's a big storyline today. So he's come out of the darkness. I would think by this weekend, Friday, a lot of news doesn't break. But if it comes out later today, Q has more to say. We'll hear about it. And when more sound comes out with him on Pat McAfee. But the timing is going to be real unique now as he's exited the darkness and the Raiders are entering the light of the combine. As the silver and black, Dave Ziegler and his staff are clearly going to be looking at quarterbacks at the combine and starting that process, which already started uh, months ago. I would even say longer than that. When Derek Carr was benched for Jared Stidham, I'm sure there were many scouts in that room that were on the path of looking for the future quarterback. The other breaking news story today is Russell Wilson, the reports that he pushed to have Pete Carroll fired before his departure from Seattle. That came out from The Athletic today, and he is completely denying it. According to The Athletic report, Russell Wilson asked the Seahawks ownership in February to fire Carroll, February of 2022, and general manager John Snyder with the hopes that the team would hire Sean Payton to be the coach. Uh, How does that feel? Now Sean Payton's the coach in Denver. 
In his denial, Wilson tweeted this morning that Carroll was a father figure to me and that Schneider believed in me and drafted me as well. I never wanted them fired. All of us wanted to win, Wilson wrote. Let me tell you uh, this tweet. I love Pete. He was a father figure to me. John believed in me, drafted me as well. I never wanted them fired. All any of us wanted was to win. I'll always have respect for them and love for Seattle. So a lot of people are piling on Russell Wilson now, and the Raider fans should because he's the arch enemy now. And what's going to happen here? What I think that's happened is Russell Wilson has changed due to the woman that he married. It's a topic that I'm really big on in life because I got a lot of friends who are married. I got a lot of friends who are divorced. I got a lot of friends whose wives are nightmares. I got a lot of friends, not a lot, but a few friends who aren't as stable, and I feel for their wives for what they have to deal with. This guy completely changed when he met Sierra, who is a celebrity, and she's an entertainer. She's not a big entertainer. She's not a global entertainer like we just saw with Rihanna or J-Lo or Beyonce. She's nowhere near that list, but she acts that way. And the diva-ness of her has also transferred to Russell Wilson. So there was a tense relationship at the end in Seattle. I think that Seattle and Pete Carroll and John Snyder probably saw the deterioration of Russell Wilson. Denver was so excited to get Russell Wilson because of the success of Peyton Manning. As you recall, Peyton Manning played in two Super Bowls for the Denver Broncos and won one. And in that Super Bowl that he won in that year, he could barely move. He could barely throw the ball. He was breaking down to the point where it was tough to watch, and he won a ring. And I think Denver said, well, Russell Wilson's a lot better than Peyton Manning, who won a ring for us. When Peyton was coming off the next surgery and deteriorating, let's get Russell Wilson and win again. And last year was an absolute disaster with Nathaniel Hackett. So Wilson, as you know, was ultimately traded to the Broncos in March. That included a haul for Seattle, multiple first and second round picks. Andrew Locke, who served as the backup to Geno Smith. Wow, Geno playing well kind of quieted this story down in Seattle. Following the trade, the Broncos gave Wilson a five-year, $245 million extension, $165 million in guaranteed money. Let me stop there for a second. I think that's the contract that Lamar Jackson should get. I didn't know that $165 million in guarantees. So I wouldn't give Lamar Jackson a completely different story, $245 million guaranteed. That's what he wants. Remember, Deshaun Watson got two hundred and forty guaranteed. But Russell Wilson only got $165 million in guarantees. I say only. That's why Denver can't get out of this deal. And there are some insiders in Denver that think that they would get out of that deal if it wasn't for that big of a cap hit. Everything they gave up, he's playing that poorly. Uh, Denver went 5-12. and 12. They fired Nathaniel Hackett. Now Sean Payton is, is his replacement. Payton already told Russell Wilson, and he told the media, that Russ isn't going to be able to bring his trainers, his friends, his quarterback coach into the building. So there's going to be a little bit of a pushback here, I think, with Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. Now Payton has to deal with this firestorm controversy today because it makes Russell Wilson look like a slime ball, makes him look like he's not loyal to the guys who helped him get to two Super Bowls winning one. So Payton stifled Wilson's power earlier in the month when he said that his personal quarterback coach, Jake Heaps, would no longer be allowed in the Broncos facility. I think that is a great move there. I think that's a good move, and that's the first move for Denver trying to slow him down. And remember, the Seahawks opened up last season by beating the Broncos 17-16 on Monday Night Football, and there was only a brief interaction between Russell Wilson and Carroll 
interacting post-game. So where there's smoke, there is fire. There is clearly an issue here. Pete Carroll just wants to win. Russell Wilson just wants to win. What we have to think about here in the Raider Nation is how many more years is Russell Wilson going to have struggling before Sean Payton either fixes him completely or tries to get out of this deal because Russell Wilson's a head case and he lost his skill set. Unfortunately, I'm a big believer in Russell Wilson. Not beating the Raiders. I want the Raiders, obviously, to win, but Russell Wilson's been a hell of a player. I watched too many games with him in Seattle with his uh, scrambling skills outside the pocket, his ability to make all the throws, the biggest throws, and I loved him outside the pocket on the run. The only quarterback that I saw better was Patrick Mahomes. I thought Russell Wilson two, three years ago better than Lamar Jackson, better than all these running quarterbacks, much better than Michael Vick, who was a better running quarterback than Russell Wilson but wasn't a better pocket passer. So the longer it takes for Russell Wilson to figure out his skill set again is a benefit for the Raiders, but Sean Payton's going to fix him. He's working on it now. And Justin Herbert had an awful game up 27-0 losing to Jacksonville. I'm still shocked by that. Can't believe that happened, but that's good news for the Raiders because Herbert's a hell of a player. And then we got to deal with Patrick Mahomes in the division who's enjoying his time off, another Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVP, and he is just frothing at the mouth to win the AFC West again as that roster is getting a little bit older on the defensive side. Kelsey doesn't seem to be slowing down. They drafted Will real well last year, and the Raiders are going to have to continue to try to build the defense that can slow down Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert, and the great Patrick Mahomes by finding also a quarterback. So a lot of work to do as we're getting here on a Friday, wrapping up this week here. Uh, thanks to Bobby again. Oh, Golden Knights win? I should have led with that. I talked about it in the first hour of the show. That was a fantastic win against Calgary. It really was. Marcia So's playing great. Love the way he's playing. And for them to come back down 3-1 to one and win that game, and doing it in overtime, Jack Eichel, Marcia So, I love that line. Let's keep VGK going. And have a great weekend. I got a cool event tonight with Tim Brown and Kirk Morrison, a chalk talk over at the Raiders headquarters in Henderson. I'm excited to prep for that after the show. As we continue, Friday, Bucket of Modellos, as we continue right here on the flagship of the Raiders, Raider Nation Radio. Yeah, you and, and I'd be lying if I said you don't hear it all. You know what I mean? Or most of it. Like, you do. <laughs> it's hard not to hear, you know, on any of the decisions that you make. And so, yeah, you just got to trust. You got to trust your, you know, trust your gut. And, and you have to um, be convicted on the decisions that you make and um, have a plan and a reason for doing it. And I'm not going to get into all that. But, you know, there's a plan and a reason for every decision. And, and um, you know, like... Ultimately, you, you have to you have to feel like you're making the de- best decision for the Raiders, whether it's you know in the short term or the long term, and, and ultimately that's what you know that's what we did. JT, welcome back as we continue Friday getaway day here on the home of the Silver and Black Raider Nation Radio. What a week! What a good week! Thanks to everybody behind the scenes. We had the Freddie Bolitnikoff day. Uh, always great to hear from Freddie and his friends and his legends. That made my heart full, and I'm happy about that. Thanks to all the good response. I had some uh, Coronas and Modelos. I had Modelos with Cisco and Mark of the Black Hole last night after we uh, talked about a bunch of things with the Black Hole in the upcoming year. 
And those guys uh, really had some kind words to say about the show that we did yesterday on tribute to Freddie B on his 80th birthday. Now, yesterday, I co-hosted with Danny Cannell, who went to Florida State, where Freddie Bolitnikoff was a legend. Danny was a great quarterback, great in, in college at Florida State. Also was 7-2 and two as a Giants backup quarterback, leading him to the playoffs. And I hosted with Danny Cannell yesterday, and we had Rob Demosky on from ESPN NFL Nation. Now, he's the lead Packer insider for ESPN. We've been talking about what's going on with Aaron Rodgers as a potential fit for the Raiders. Of course, I love Aaron Rodgers to the Raiders. I love Aaron Rodgers to the Raiders. I love Tom Brady to the Raiders. And again, I'd love Bryce Young to the Raiders or Caleb Williams next year to the Raiders. We don't know what's going to happen. But Rob Demosky's on the inside of the Green Bay Packer world. And we talked to him yesterday about this whole scenario of what's happening with Aaron Rodgers as he came back from the darkness into the light. JT, it's good to be with you. That's a great question. Uh, look, we all know uh, Rodgers does things a little differently, right? I mean, that's no secret. Uh, but this one, you know, uh, this one I, even I didn't see coming, okay? I, you know, I guess I'd never really even heard of one of these things before. But uh, we have a story on ESPN.com uh, today about what this whole thing entails. Uh, it's actually pretty interesting. I'm not sure, you know, and even he said, JT, that it's not like he's going to come out of this, this cabin and just, oh, yeah, now I know what I'm going to do. And, and I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure he needed this to make that decision, and I'm not sure he's made that decision because he had this. Uh, I would suspect that we're still, oh, probably a week or two away from knowing what he's going to do. Yeah, according to your guys' story, Rob, up on ESPN.com, it was a 300-square-foot room uh, in Oregon, which uh, partially underground structure, devoid of light, with a queen bed, a bathroom, and a meditation-like mat, fully powered, and most importantly, lights could be turned on from inside the room. Is, sounds like go ahead, Rob. First, sounds like my first apartment yeah. in Athens, Ohio, <laughs> uh, after I graduated from Ohio U, and I was making like seven bucks an hour as a sports writer. Exactly. We can all relate to those studio apartments you have to live in uh, just out of college. So, Rob, I, t- tell me if you disagree, if you agree or disagree with this. Okay. I feel like in the last week and like right before he kind of went on this retreat, there was almost a shift in sentiment. Like two weeks ago, it felt like, oh, the Packers have had enough. They were willing to you know, yeah. talk to teams and the AFC. But all of a sudden in the last week, it feels like the Packers are hearing more things that they're more all in on Aaron Rodgers as long as he's all in. Is that the way you're seeing it too? My sense, Danny, is that all along their approach uh, from the end of this season on was that if, if Rodgers wanted to come back and play for them, they would be fine with it. But if he wanted to retire or go somewhere else, that they would be fine with that as well. Uh, and, and what I mean by that is they're, they're no longer in a situation where, where they're begging him to play. Like the, the off season of 2001 where he stayed away and – you know, the, the word was he was never going to play for these guys again. They begged him to come back. Last year, uh, you know, they wanted him back, and they signed him to that three-year, $150 million contract extension, which GM Brian Gutekunst said last month was we, we signed him to that deal with a multi-year commitment to him. Now, last year certainly didn't go the way anybody thought that it would, but, uh, but the sense that I've gotten all along, and, and I don't think this has necessarily changed, is that if Rodgers wants back, they'll take him. If not, they're fine either trading them or, or seeing them into retirement. Rob Domofsky is our guest. You know, Rob, I'm in Vegas, and I think if Josh McDaniels 
he's the head coach. Everybody yeah. thinks he wants to develop a young quarterback, right? Look at the success he had with Mac Jones, the Brady early years, everything that's happened. But, you know, sensing here in Vegas that, you know, it's go time. The Raiders went from 10 wins to six. They got Devontae Adams. I think it is critical to ask you where Devontae hangs on this because he is super elite. He's the best yeah. receiver in football. He's getting fitted for a gold jacket, and he doesn't have one yet. Aaron Rodgers guarantees him two more seasons closer to a gold jacket and complete domination. Without that, you know, we're looking at a situation with Stidham, a bridge quarterback, maybe a draft quarterback. I don't yeah. know what Devontae's going to think of that. You have connections with Devontae, and you know Aaron yeah. Rodgers. What do you think the fit is like in Vegas, Nashville, yeah. or the Jets? JT, it's really interesting with Devontae uh, because part of the reason that Devontae left Green Bay, and, and this is – just part of the reason it, it's a, and it may be a small part, but a little bit played into the fact that he wanted to be the guy, right? And, and here Aaron Rodgers was the guy that got all the credit. Not that Devonte didn't, you know, he made all pro teams and all that, but part of Devonte Adams' deal uh, was that that he wanted to go out and show that he didn't need Aaron Rodgers to have great numbers. And and I think you know in some ways he did that this past season. Uh, I know the win total wasn't very good, but his production. Um, you know, still seems pretty good from afar, but you know, maybe he realizes that you know it's a lot easier when you have a guy like Aaron Rodgers. And and Rodgers, I can tell you this, JT was stunned when Devontae wanted out of here because it, you remember the timeline of it. Uh, March eighth, Rodgers decided that he was going to come back. March fifteenth, they signed a contract extension, and March seventeenth, Devontae Adams was a Raider. So Rodgers was definitely taken aback by that. Um, and he also missed his guy. I mean, he said after the season that the biggest factor in why their offense wasn't as good as it was last year is Devontae Adams and not having him. So that's definitely a factor. I won't say this, though, as far as, you know, the, the coaching situation. And, you know, Rich Gannon, longtime NFL quarterback, uh, told me this about a year ago. He goes, it's really hard for a quarterback to change teams because you have to put a lot of work into learning the system. And even if whatever team he goes to wants to run essentially the Packers offense, there's still going to be a huge, huge transition period and learning period. And at this point in Aaron Rodgers' career, a guy who hasn't participated in the offseason program for the last several years, I'm not sure how much that is really that appealing to him when he comes down to actually thinking about doing that kind of a work. Wow, and you talked too, Rob, about what could have been so important with his young wide receivers last year was getting involved yeah. with them in the offseason. Instead, we saw it on the fly, and that's why it took a lot of time to get that continuity between the two. Yeah. Um, where, for Aaron Rodgers, I, I know there were some reports out that he would be, if he went somewhere else, he would rework the contract potentially. Yeah. Is that on the table as well? Yeah, Danny, he has said, um, I believe it was on the Pat McAfee show a couple weeks ago, that he knows that the contract would have to be adjusted. Okay, now that was his word, right, adjusted. And, Danny, you know uh, as, as well as I do with these contracts, you know, there's only certain things that you can do, especially when you're in one as complicated as Rodgers is. You also have to realize that Rodgers is a mastery of words, right? Like uh, we can go back to the whole immunized thing when we all took that to mean that he was vaccinated. Adjusted doesn't necessarily mean that he's willing to take a pay cut. It just means maybe he's willing to have money moved around or things like that. So I, I would be cautious when with, with the whole adjusted, which is the word he used, and what exactly that means with this contract, which, as everybody knows, has massive amounts of guaranteed money, almost 
$60 million this year. Rob Domoski is our guest, ESPN NFL Nation Packers reporter, also covers the NFL, covering sports in Green Bay since 1997. The other big one for me, Rob, is perception from the fans. The Packer fans are some of the greatest I've ever met. They'll give you beer. They'll give you their food at the tailgate. They'll, they'll welcome you back. How many fans in the world after a game, if they beat you, says, please come back. We hope you see, yeah. we see you again. They're the best of the best. How are they handling this after Favre gave us all a perfect picture of this at the end of his career, retiring the Jets, the Vikings, and here comes Rodgers, who hasn't done that yet. He, yeah. He's a master of words, as you said, and he's threatening to leave or at least acting like he could leave. Yeah. I think it's important for him to end his career with one team because it's the Packers, Vince Lombardi, Bart Starr. But if not, I'm seeing Brady go to Tampa, Peyton Manning go to Denver. You know, the footprint is there for him to yeah. leave and get two more years somewhere else. What do the fans think? Yeah, the biggest difference in the fan reaction, I think, um, if Rodgers decides to go play somewhere else and it's his decision, is that it will be perceived that he wants out. And if you remember in the Favre situation, he actually wanted to come back to Green Bay. He retired prematurely. They forced him into a decision, and he wanted to come back, and the Packers didn't want him. So the, the fan sentiment in the summer of 2008 was all pro-Brett Favre and anti uh, organization Ted Thompson and team president Mark Murphy. Uh, Ted, the general manager, is, is obviously passed away, but Mark Murphy, the president, was the president of the team then. He's the president of the team now. Uh, you know, so he can see what the the difference is here. If Rogers says I want to be traded, the fans will be. And you, like you said, JT, these are this is a little different place here. That they're very provincial. They will probably look at it as, well, Rodgers doesn't want to be with us anymore, then forget him. Whereas the, it was the opposite when Favre uh, went through the whole thing in 2008. I'm curious to know what you think uh, with somebody who's dealt with Aaron, uh, you know, on a, a relationship basis. Uh, there's been a lot of talk that says, oh, he's, if he goes to the Jets, he'd get yeah. skewered and he wouldn't survive the New York market. <laughs> and I push back on that a little bit because – you when when the whole immunization thing, vaccination yeah. thing on, he took a ton of heat. There were a lot of you know a yeah. lot of media, national media members who were taking shots yeah. at him, and he seemed to thrive in that like villain role. Do you yeah. think? How do you think he would fit with the media market in New York, being a little more hostile than you know than Green Bay? Yeah, Danny, it's interesting. Um, like JT said, I've covered the NFL since 1997, and and I would agree with your point. Um, you know, it, it, maybe 10, 15 years ago. But now everybody's a national media outlet, right? I mean, like, even the local <laughs> newspapers are read nationally because, obviously, everybody's reading online and on their phone. So I, I think the exposure to that kind of thing, um, it, it's already hit Aaron Rodgers. So whether he's playing in Green Bay or whether he's playing in New York, I still think the national media and even the outlets that cover him still cover him the same. And I would say this, any, ask any player who's, who's played in Green Bay, um, you know, the, the media here, we, we ask hard questions, but it's mostly football stuff. Like, you know, it, it, it's, it's football so important here that when it doesn't go right, um, you know, we, we can be critical just, just like any other market. I think the difference is the personal life side of it. Uh, whereas if, you know, if, if you're going out to dinner in Green Bay and you're with, you know, an actress, it's not being photographed on the front page of the paper like it would be on the Daily News or the Post or something like that. that that's probably where the difference is. But, you know, Rodgers has been in the public spotlight now, you know, long enough, and he's dated enough 
so-called celebrities that, that I think that part of his life, um, he's adjusted to that. Rob Demonski, as we wrap it up. Uh, Rob, where's the best fit for Aaron Rodgers if he doesn't come back to the Packers? Boy, I mean, you would think it would be the two teams that we talked about, the Jets, uh, because of Nathaniel Hackett being hired there. Now, the, the, the interesting thing about, about that is, you know, he loves Nathaniel Hackett, right? That's no secret. But Nathaniel Hackett was never the play caller for Aaron Rodgers. It was always Matt LaFleur, and then before him it was Mike McCarthy. It's a lot easier to have a great relationship with your offensive coordinator if he's not the play caller. And, and Danny, you can, you can tell me if I'm wrong on that, but it's a little bit of a good cop, bad cop thing there. And, and, and then, um, you know, but the Jets have seemingly everything else that, that you'd want. They've got a great young receiver. Uh, they've got a really talented defense. And they've got, you know, by all accounts, a good young head coach in Robert Sala. Uh, the, the flip side with, with the Raiders is the same thing. You know, it's, it's, it's maybe the coaches is, is a little different, but the, uh, the receiver is there with Devontae. And, you know, look, Aaron's a West Coast guy. Not that, not that Vegas is, is on the coast, but it, that's a part of the country uh, that I think he would, would like to be in. I mean, heck, he doesn't live in Green Bay in the offseason. So, uh, you know, warm weather is important to him and, I, and, I, and golf is important to him. I, I think he would do well in that scenario e- either. Either one. Um, but, you know, if he comes back to Green Bay, I'm not sure Green Bay's roster measures up to what those other teams have right now, to be perfectly honest with you. The, com- the comfort level would be there. Uh, but, you know, the roster here has some holes in it. So uh, those two places might be better options for him. All right, Rob, appreciate it. Thanks so much. The story is just exploding. We'll come to you again. Really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. All right, guys. We'll be seeing you. Appreciate Rob and Danny, and I'm happy we were able to play some of that content here as we're sitting here on a Friday heading into the weekend because we're going to get closer to Aaron Rodgers' decision. What will that decision be? Again, as I said, and I asked him, I think the options are the Tennessee Titans, the New York Jets, and the Las Vegas Raiders, and most people are starting to think now that this is going to be a better fit for the Green Bay Packers. Again, as I've said, Derek Jeter could have played for the Tampa Bay Rays his last season. I don't think he could have played for the Oakland A's because the Oakland A's don't pay for anybody. But if Derek Jeter wanted to play for the Padres one year, if he wanted to play for the Toronto Blue Jays, everybody would have lined up and paid him, and Jeter wanted to end as a Yankee. Monument Park, Hall of Famer, retired as a Yankee. Aaron Rodgers should probably do that. Aaron Rodgers could do something that Brett Favre didn't do, Peyton Manning didn't do, Tom Brady didn't do, and those are all his contemporaries. When you look at the greatest quarterbacks of all time, who are the ones that stayed with their team? John Elway with Denver is probably the greatest of the era that I grew up in and was a part of, and he ended with Denver. He didn't go and try to catch a ring somewhere else. If Aaron Rodgers ends his career this, past, this upcoming year, one more year, $60 million with Green Bay, and goes out on top, he could have a world tour, good goodbye, Leave on his terms. I don't think that's who he is. I think because Tom Brady's success chasing a ring to Tampa and being more happy, and he was much more happy in Tampa, but then how much happy was he? He ended up getting divorced. And Tom Brady has been divorced once and never got married to Bridget Moynihan and broke up with her, had a son, his oldest son, through the relationship with Bridget Moynihan, had a couple of kids with Giselle. Aaron Rodgers hasn't had a kid. Aaron Rodgers hasn't been married, and he's not a youngster, man. 39 years old, I would recommend if you can, if you would like to, to get married. 39 isn't late to get married, or 40 or 41, and end with one team, the Green Bay Packers. 
That would be stability for him, and he'd ride off into the sunset playing golf with another $60 million banked with the Green Bay Packers. But if not, if it turns out that he's available, everybody, the big point I wanted to make heading into the weekend, if he becomes available and Dave Ziegler's got the cap space to do it, unless Dave doesn't want to do it because their plan is a plan of grooming a young quarterback or Mac Jones in a trade or whatever it's going to be, Levis or one of these quarterbacks at seven or beyond, I'm going to get on board with it because I'm pro Raiders. But if we get a chance for Aaron Rodgers, as Rob Demosky thinks the Raiders are on the short list, life is too short, man. Allegiant Stadium's expensive. It's fun. There's a nightclub in the end zone. Every ticket is sold. To see Aaron Rodgers come out of that tunnel with the number 12 black jersey with the silver numbers, that would be mind-blowing, just like it would have been for Tom Brady. Uh, well, let's keep it going. 702-365-9200. Special last couple of days here, obviously. Good emotion. Good times. want to thank our friends at Modelo, the fighting spirit of Modelo. I'm counting down to the bucket of Modelo's here on a Friday. I'm going to pass till Saturday. i got a Raider event tonight with Kirk Morrison and the great Tim Brown. What an honor to host a Chalk Talk at the Raider facility with Tim Brown, one of the greatest all-time Raiders, Hall of Famer, and Kirk Morrison who's got a great broadcasting career going and can't wait to see him. So that's what my Friday looks like tonight as we continue on. Friday, Bobby's back. Good to have it. We continue on. This is the flagship of the Raiders. Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. We're in charge of filling the most important position on the team. There's some pressure that comes along with that. And however we fill it, it doesn't mean we're going to have an immediate answer, you know, this year. But at the end of the day, we have to have an answer. Right. You know, in some form or fashion, you know. And so, yeah, there's pressure that comes along with it. And, and um, again, that's also part of the excitement, too. It's Friday here on Raider Nation Radio. Good to have you with us here as we've been celebrating Fred Bolitnikoff's 80th birthday yesterday and put a bow and wrapped it around it this week. Thanks to everybody who's been joining us. We're brought to you by the DeCastaverde Law Group. Alex and Orlando DeCastaverde. Give them a call at 702. What an easy number. Listen to this. 702-222-9999 if you get into an accident. I refer my friends, anybody who gets hurt, anybody who gets into an accident. It happens here in Vegas. I think more so than any place I've lived in other than New York, and I didn't live in New York City with that mass group of people. I lived on Long Island, but here in Vegas, more cars, more cones, more constructions. You're going to need an injury attorney or an attorney just to help you through anything that happens in your vehicle, slip and fall, motorcycle, truck accident. The DeCastaverde Law Group, 702-222-9999. They are proud partners of our show. Great. We get Randy Mueller on. Randy Mueller, former NFL GM, frequent guest on the show. He was the 2000 NFL Executive of the Year. And now he's got a big job in the XFL for the Seattle franchise, which we're happy to have him on. And, Randy, thanks for joining us. Appreciate you coming on. I want to begin with the XFL news and what's happening with you. Uh, tell us what's going on since it first launched. I know you dropped the game, but what about your game? What were some of the positives from around the league? Well, I appreciate that, JT. Yeah, it's actually been quite a process. As you know, these spring leagues uh, are a lot of work for a lot of people, but this is the one that The Rock owns, Danny Garcia, Jerry Cardinal, 
they have supplied us with every possible tool to succeed. Uh, the last iteration of the XFL didn't make it because of the pandemic. It was simple as that. So I think there's an appetite for spring ball. We've spent really six months building our teams, and I can only speak really about our team in Seattle. Jim Hazlitt's our coach. June Jones is our offense coordinator, all people that I have worked with for years in the NFL. So it's been a lot of fun. I think we'll have a good team. We lost a tough one last night in D.C. to the D.C. defenders, but I still think we'll have one of the better teams, and and, uh, we'll have – to prove that over the next 10 weeks. When I saw the XFL and was involved with it with Vince McMahon, I thought it clearly had the legs to go, especially in Vegas where it worked really well. Big crowds. It could have went another year. There was a lot behind that with Dick Ebersol, Vince McMahon, the money, sustaining that, television contracts and all of that. I think the key to this league is The Rock. Dwayne The Rock Johnson flew to all these different venues. He's the number one box office star. He's got deep pockets with deep investors. As long as he wants to give this a go and give you guys the time and the patience to build the league right, do you feel good about that? Yeah, I feel great about it, and you're right. Him Between him and Danny Garcia, they've been really passionate about their involvement, and it's been really good. They're obviously Hollywood masterminds when it comes to marketing, um, so they're going to do that part right. And to this point, it's been great. They've let us build our football teams from scratch the way we want, and Gosh, when you do this for a living like I have forever, it's a fun task to build a team from scratch. And in the vision that your coaches foresee and the kind of players that you want to run your schemes, it's been fun. I think it does have legs. Our games are all on ESPN and ABC, so it's a really solid television market with the worldwide leaders. So we'll see how it goes. But it's been fun so far, and we've got nine more weeks. So each week is another adventure, that's for sure. Randy Mueller's our guest. Uh, one more on the XFL. I want to get your philosophy on the type of player that you have, the player that was popular in the NFL and this is the last stop for them, or the player that was really close, didn't get drafted or maybe made a team, got injured, or didn't get the opportunity to get drafted and be an undrafted free agent, and this is their last chance to prove to the NFL that they can play. Give me a player or two that you're developing now that you're really excited to share the story. Well, you're right. There are some people that are have been on the verge and some that have been very successful. We have the receiver, uh, Josh Gordon, on our team in Seattle. Um, he's obviously been a Pro Bowl player and a, and a high-quality uh, contributor at the NFL level, just looking to change the perception of what NFL teams might view of him. And as you know, the only way to do that is to get on film. But I'll tell you the other angle that we have that I have found this time around in building this team is during COVID, there were a lot of college kids that got overlooked. Whether it was a six-year or a COVID year, the market was flooded with college football players that the NFL couldn't take them all in 20, in 21, and it's even carried over into 22. So we've found what I think are some really good players that have sifted through the cracks of the NFL, guys that haven't gotten an opportunity yet. Uh, a kid like Liam, Liam Jimmons, a guard from USC who is our starting left tackle, uh, Jakur Pearson, a receiver from Old Miss, who people don't know these names, but he should be in an NFL camp. We've built our team with the idea of let's build the 33rd NFL team. So I would sign most of these guys if I were running an NFL team today. So we're going to have a bunch of these young kids that people haven't heard of that I think will end up playing on Sunday. It's just a matter of getting that opportunity. Randy Mueller joins us as a former NFL GM this time of year when quarterbacks become available. Take me through that, the conversations with the owner. Derek Carr with the Jets. Woody Johnson has the ability to wait for Aaron Rodgers. He had Derek Carr in the building. 
How do you let Derek Carr out of the building? How are you not giving him an offer where he doesn't want to go shop the NFC South, go back to New Orleans again? What's that conversation like with the owner that we got to get this guy because he's coming to our building and we shouldn't let him leave and it'll be a massive upgrade to our organization? Yeah, I totally agree. I think that this is the time when you can make a, a deal like that happen, and it's rare because the next league year hasn't started yet. Teams have ample cap room to make something like that happen. If I were the Jets, I would be all in on a guy like Derek Carr, and I would tell him that. Forget about the Aaron Rodgers pie in the sky. You don't know if you'll ever be able to cross that bridge. So I agree with you. I think the competition will come from the NFC South, three teams looking for quarterbacks. We know he's already spent time in New Orleans with those people, so he's going to end up being in a good position, and he can might have a couple options to choose from. But I agree with you. The Jets should be all over that. And who's to say they're not? But I, I kind of like your philosophy, and, and I've done that with free agents in my time in the NFL, not letting them leave the building until you uh, write the check. Randy, have you seen anything similar in your lifetime? You've been doing this a while, as you said, where a player who's under contract, like Aaron Rodgers, is dictating to the team, which he works for, that he'll get back to them if he wants to play or not, or if he wants to get traded. I mean, I know Brett Favre, there was some similarities but not at this price point. Are there a couple of examples over the years where player and the entitlement of the player was to keep the franchise at bay while they were already under contract and committed for another season? Yeah, I really don't understand it, to be honest with you. And I have not seen it to this level, that's for sure. And I would not want to be the Packers having been held hostage now for really two years with regard to mm-hmm. what Aaron wants to do. And I know he's in his four-day darkness or whatever that is, but I'm sure it'll be out in time to be on the McAfee show tomorrow. So, you know, <laughs> that that is, is the next step in, in the involvement of what's going to happen. And it sure hurts the Packers. It hurts their front office. They can't figure out their plan for going forward until Aaron, you know, comes clean with what he wants to do. It's hard to even make a trade because you don't know if he's committed to playing one year, two year. It's going to be all kinds of conditions that are tied to a trade. And there's a lot of convoluted information. So it puts them in a bad spot. I have not seen it, to answer your question, at this level. Um, I know we're all for player empowerment nowadays. It normally doesn't happen to this level, at, in the NFL anyway. And it's, it's a tough spot to put the Packers in for sure. Wrapping it up with Randy Mueller. Randy, before you go, Eric Bieniemy getting this opportunity. I still think it's a bad look for the NFL. I believe he should be a head coach by now, especially when both coordinators – from the team he beat in the Super Bowl, got head coaching jobs. So what's the upside for Biennemi now with the title of offensive coordinator, assistant head coach, and where you think he goes from here with his career? You know, I don't know if there's really upside, JT. I think he had to get away from the Kansas City setup, and that's nothing wrong with being with Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes, but I guess he had to go prove it on his own. And so I think sooner the better. He gets this opportunity. The hard part for me is I don't know how stable it will be with Washington. They're fixing to get a new owner in the next month or two, it looks like. Um, Ron Rivera has had three years to kind of turn it around. They're kind of stuck in neutral right now. So I don't know if it's a great place or not. They're still looking for a quarterback. And now this might fall on Eric Bieniemy. But I understand why he's leaving Kansas City. I'm not sure it's a great setup to go to Washington, D.C. at this point. But I do agree with you. It's a little bit of an embarrassment. He's been through a million interviews. For whatever reason, it hasn't happened. And I understand you can't just give a guy a job, but I think most of the resources that people have used to back up his interviews tell you this guy's a can't-miss prospect, so we'll see how it works out. Randy, last one. I think you have to have three to be a dynasty in any sport. 
Teams have won back-to-back. They're not dynasties, and the Chiefs have won two out of four. They're not a dynasty. Do you think they have the go to go, go at it again with the age of some of those players? Mahomes in his prime, beginning of his prime. What's your gut feeling tell you about this Kansas City team going forward without the enemy and probably going to lose a couple more players on that championship squad? I'll be honest. I think they're going to retool and be right back again. I, I know Joe, uh, Joe Burrow coined the phrase of the window is open as long as my career is here, and I think the same can be said for Kansas City. As long as Pat Mahomes is there, their window to win Super Bowls is wide open. So I think they'll find a way to move some money around to add the players they need to add. But, hey, Andy Reid, Pat Mahomes, you talk about a dynasty, I think it's one in the making, and, and I tend to agree with you. Two is probably not enough. But I think both those guys already, their legacies are enshrined in, in, in Canton, and I don't see that changing no matter what happens in the next two or three years. But they're going to be there. Um, I don't see anybody to derail them. They, the, when it comes down to a Super Bowl game, it can go either way, but they're going to be fighting to get there every year. Thank you, Randy. Good luck getting the next win. Appreciate you coming on, and uh, good luck with the XFL. Thanks, JT. Appreciate Randy coming on, as he'll be a go-to guest for us here as the Raiders are making decisions, especially Randy's a guy I like to talk to in free agency trades and all that because he's done some big ones throughout the course of his career. When we come back, we'll wrap it up on the other side. Uh, Get you ready for this week. Next week, I got another Florida trip at the end of next week to see my mom and dad. I've been telling you about that. I got a bunch of trips to see my 84-year-old parents this offseason. I got another one coming up uh, middle of next week. Harry Ruiz, the Latino voice of the Silver and Black, We'll be in here, plus some specialty programming as the Raiders are on the road at the Combine in Indianapolis. This is the flagship Raider Nation Radio.